Ephesians, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. And um, I'm going to uh, introduce this and so talk for a minute or two before we uh, look into the Word. Praise God. Amen. All right, before we do that, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If you would look at me, and I can't look at you all at the same time, but I'll try to, okay? Listen to me, please. You've got to get this. All right, now, you, you've got to get this. That may not be the most spiritual thing I've ever said to you or the most uh, poetic thing I've ever said to you, but I think I understand a little more this morning what the Apostle Paul was saying when he said, I beg you, I beg you by the mercies of God. And then he would give them instructions. In other words, there was such an urgency in his heart when he was writing these things, trying to use words to communicate the importance. So again, to me now, you've got to get this. All right? It's very, 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 very important. Sometimes I pray different things before I, I preach and pray over the messages. But ever so often I come to one that I just simply say, God, don't let me mess it up. Okay. Amen. All right. So you're at Ephesians 3. In Matthew 16, in verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a very important passage for a lot of reasons. One is because we're going to talk about a plan this morning from scriptures that was kept a mystery for hundreds of generations. And when Jesus said what He said in Matthew chapter 16, He was revealing more of the plan than had ever been revealed to humanity in all of human history. He didn't just say that He would build His church. He said the gates of hell would not stop Him or keep Him or prevent Him from doing it. So this tells us again something very important. And that is the battle lines are drawn between light and darkness, between life and death, between heaven and hell, between God and His and our enemy, the devil. The battle lines are drawn right there. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, when we jump into Ephesians, we see even more. It's expanded even more. The plan is revealed a bit more. And we find out in Ephesians that the church is not an institution or a building with a white steeple on top, but the church which is His body, the body of Christ. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, He knew the whole plan. He knew that the church wasn't just going to be some institution, but that the church was going to be His body, the body for which He is now the head. Not figurative, but literal. Literal. Now this brings us to these important verses in chapter 3. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery 
as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Look at me for a moment. What Paul is simply saying here is that God has chosen him and has revealed some things to him to in turn reveal to you and me that have not previously been revealed. Are you with me? Some things that, and you'll see this as we continue to read, some things that have been hidden, and because they are hidden, they are a mystery. They've not been revealed. It's not, it's not been made known. And yet, it's now being revealed. It's now being made known. If you'll also notice, and this is important, because Paul used this word mystery in different places in his writings. This is not the only place that he speaks of this mystery. Okay? But if you'll also notice, he says that it was by revelation. When Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus turned to him and said, a human being did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, it wasn't because Peter had a high IQ. It wasn't because Peter, um, you know, had an inside track on, you know, some uh, Pharisee or something had told him something. No, no, no. This was revealed to him not from the outside in, not from the world around him, things he heard, things he'd seen with his eyes and ears, but it came from inside of him by the Spirit of God, was revealed to him. That's what it means, revelation. So what Paul is saying here is that what he's about to reveal to you and me was revealed to him by God. Dispensation is just a fancy word for timing. A season, a window has been opened. It's a window of grace. He then says, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I want you to notice that he says, this is my knowledge. He's not saying that this is all there is to know. But it's what he knows so far. Okay? Verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known. The mystery was not made known in times past to the sons of men. Now this is important, okay? It was not made known to the sons of men... So who does that leave? That leaves God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and it leaves the holy angels. To what extent the holy angels were in on this plan, this mystery, we don't exactly know, but we do know that they knew at least about it in part because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, don't turn there yet, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says that when they heard of it, it was something that they longed to look into. The Amplified Version says it was something that they wanted to be in on. They wanted to be a part of. Alright? But the sons of men, that's you and me, until it was revealed to Paul by God and then presented it had not yet been revealed. Now let's make sure we know something, okay? And I think this goes without saying, but let me make sure. 
Jesus knew the plan. He knew the mystery, but He spoke about it only in code. He spoke about it... In other words, I like to say it this way, that Father God revealed the whole plan but kept the whole thing a secret until the end. And once we have it all revealed, looking back, we go, aha, 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 okay, now I see, now I know, now that makes sense, right? So he's telling the story the whole time. For instance, he stood in the Garden of Eden and said, a woman will one day bring forth a seed that will crush the head of the serpent. Well, you think, wait a second, seed doesn't come from a woman, seed comes from a man. How can a woman bring forth a seed? He was talking about Jesus. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the one who came from the womb of the Virgin Mary and crushed the head of the serpent. So you see what I'm saying? Now it all makes sense, but when God the Father standing in the Garden of Eden saying it, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? So he told the whole story but kept it all a secret. So if you, if you go back to what Jesus said, for instance, I will build my church, the church which is his body, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It all makes perfect sense now, but when Jesus first said that, it was only a limited unveiling, a limited revealing. At the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus said, there's still so many more things I have to tell you, but you're not ready to receive them yet. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit of God revealed this truth to the Apostle Paul, which was then revealed to you and me so that we can understand it and see it. Okay? Verse 5 again, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, for which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. All right, this is not in my notes, but we got to do it right quick, okay? If you only look at this part, you will think that the mystery is simply the inclusion of the non-Jewish races of people. The mystery is bigger than that. But if we had taken the time to study the whole book this morning, which would take a long time, we would have already covered something that was mentioned in chapter 2. So let's back up quickly into chapter 2 for a moment. Chapter 2 verse 14 begins this way. For He Himself is our peace. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. I'll come back and explain it. Let's just work through it right now. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Look at me for a moment, all right? So when he references that the Gentiles would also be included in what he's going to in a few verses call the fellowship of the mystery. That was part of the mystery, but not the whole mystery. Okay? Let me get a little ahead of myself, then I'll get back behind myself, and then we'll get caught right back up, okay? The Scriptures say that this, this plan, this mystery is very complicated. It has a lot of moving parts. And what has happened throughout time 
is that people have grabbed hold of one part of it and believed that that was all there was to it. But with God the Father, there's always more. With God the Father, He always has something next. What happens to a lot of people is they get just enough of God and His ways and His things, the things of God, the things of the Spirit in their life to bring them some level of relief, some level of satisfaction, some level of contentment, and they put the brakes on. They don't pursue any of the deeper things of God, any more of the things that God has for them. I lived for many years of my life thinking salvation was all that God had for me until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? And I could go on and on, but you understand that there's always that next thing. So, for instance, in Colossians, this is what a lot of people say is the mystery of God. And, and, and it's where Paul most definitively says it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And somebody points to that and they say, okay, there's the mystery revealed. Finally, the mystery is revealed. That is the mystery revealed, but the mystery is more than that even. So as we understand more and more about it in the writings of Paul, we can't just, we got to be careful, in other words, of just settling in on one aspect, one part of the plan, the mystery, and think that that's all there is because there's more still, there's more still, there's more still. He always saves the best for last. Let me say it another way. Did Abraham have it good? You better know Abraham had it good. But did Abraham have all there was to have from God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But do you realize how many Jewish people, generations after Abraham had already gone to heaven, had, had Abraham as like the pinnacle of all that could ever be received or understood or possessed by God. And yet God had even greater still. And He has even greater still for you and me. So He's referring to this. The, the better, oh, sweet Jesus, the better way to understand this, let's go back to verse 15, the last phrase, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now let me give you a little background on what He's talking about here. When God separated Abraham, the, the man Abraham, from all the other nations and peoples of the earth to create from Abraham a holy nation, a special people, God's own chosen people, the Jewish people, He did that strategically. Say it with me. It was part of the plan. It was part of the plan. Right? But it wasn't. In other words, God's plan didn't end with the Jewish people. We see that in the Old Testament where God desired for the entire nation of Jewish people to become priests before Him for the other nations of the earth. In other words, God's plan has always included every living human being. But for a season, He had to separate from all the other peoples of the earth one man and the descendants of that one, one man make a covenant with them and interact with them 
so that he could preserve, listen to me very carefully, he could preserve a bloodline through which to eventually send his son to this planet. Part of the plan. Part of the plan. Now that Jesus has come, died, raised from the dead, returned to heaven, there remained a very distinct division between Jewish people and non-Jewish people. God doesn't like division. God doesn't like enmity. That word enmity rhymes with enemy, but it's speaking of people who are separated by their opinions, prejudices, racism, all that other stuff, right, that the world just wallows in. So how is God going to resolve this problem? Very simple. For the Jew and the non-Jew to be born a second time from the same seed. And he's going to make us all one with him. Making a new man from the two in one body in himself. Are you seeing this? So when he says, back to chapter 3 now. When he says, I'll get there in a minute, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. I'm not saying that the Gentiles being in on it is not a huge part of the plan, but that part of the plan had pretty much been revealed in the Old Testament. The part that we should focus on even more so than the Gentiles is the part, um, praise God, I keep, I keep swiping back and forth from my iPad to my Bible. Let's just do it on the screen. Is the part, and the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, one body, and partakers of His promise, equal share in Christ through the gospel. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. Now let's talk about the mystery for a moment, okay? Paul is now speaking of a mystery, a common word and theme in his writings, a mystery hidden for hundreds of generations but has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit through His holy apostles and prophets to you and me. That non-Jewish people should be fellow heirs of the same body and have an equal share of God's promise uh, in Christ is a huge part of the mystery, but is not the entire mystery. Verse 8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. All right, now I'm not here to bore you this morning. I'm not here to bore you. I'm here to impart Holy Spirit wisdom by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God into your life that will change you forever, okay? So I'm asking you to bring your heart's attention. Help me. You helping me? We all in agreement. We believe in together for, for, for revelation for ourselves. Amen. Paul summarized his entire ministry and life's work 
as preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ and making all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. All see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Are you in all this morning? In other words, for every human being... See, listen to me please. I'm, I'm not... If you're not born again this morning, the most important thing for you to do right now is to be born again. There is an urgency to that. There is an absolute today, now, he says, is the acceptable time of salvation. But for so long, we've made the whole plan only be about salvation. Salvation is not the end. Salvation is the means to a greater end. Salvation is not the destination. Salvation is the on-ramp. It is the opening. It is the doorway in that will lead you to your destination. In other words, the mystery is not just being saved. It's not just receiving Jesus. As important as that is, so sad to me that so many believers have gotten born again but are still blinded to the fellowship of the mystery. They have no idea what their salvation was for. They have no idea why Jesus paid such a high price for them. If you ask them, they'll mutter something about forgiven for my sins so I won't go to hell and I'll get to go to heaven. And it is so much more than that. So much so that Paul summarized his purpose as an apostle as preaching the unsearchable riches and making all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, the fellowship of the mystery. Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Fellowship of the Rings? Oh, come on, it's okay to admit it. It's, it's biblical stuff that's all an allegory, right? Or whatever you call those things. Metaphor, thank you. So we've got, I always get those two. You saw it in my eyes, didn't you, David? Thank you for helping me, brother. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it was a group of people, ragtag bunch, all cobbled together to go on this great assignment, this great mission to save the world, so to speak. The Fellowship of the Ring. Rings, uh, I guess. Amen. Help me, John Mark. It's the fellowship of the mystery. What does that mean? Could I just say it how we might say it here, Alabama, here in Alabama? You're in on this. You're included in this. You've got a part in this. This is talking about you. This is speaking of your life, your future, your family, your destiny. The fellowship of the mystery. Listen to me, please. The mystery is eternal. The mystery is the reason for creation and the existence of time and space. You do understand that God doesn't live inside of His creation. He lives inside of you and me, but when I say He doesn't live inside of it, we've used this example over and over again, but I'll use it again. The man who created a computer, he doesn't live inside the computer. Steve Jobs doesn't live inside of an Apple computer. Michael Dell doesn't live inside of a Dell computer. 
They created those, but they exist outside of them. We live inside of time and space. God does not live inside of time and space. God lives outside of time and space and is able to move backwards and forwards in time and can go ahead of you in space. Are you following what I'm saying? Am I losing you or are you still with me? So when we say that the mystery is eternal and the mystery is the reason for creation, and the mystery is the reason for the existence of time and space. God created time and space for the express purpose of completing this plan that is now being revealed. This grand scheme, this grand plan that He had. It not only includes and involves you But this mystery literally goes to the heart and purpose for your existence. And is so precious and important that it was hidden for millennia in the safest place in the universe. The Scriptures say it was hidden within God Himself. It is absolutely critical for you to understand, or as Paul used the word, see this mystery and conform your life and thinking to it. Without an understanding of this mystery, you will never understand fully why you exist and your life will never make sense. Let's keep going. Verse 9. I'm going to read verse 9 again, but I've got it now on the screen connected with the verses that come after it. Verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Look at verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're still with me, give me an amen, a Baptist nod, or a little wave or something. All right, you're still with me. This is some heavy stuff. One of the most intelligent sisters in this church told me last week that I was making her head spin. We were talking about some of these things, so I appreciate it. I've, Gone back to it, Sister Pam, and I'm, amen, I'm trying to make it more plain. All right, praise God. She was the head of the math department at Oak Grove High School for many years, and she talked about how much she loved calculus, and she said she'd be up on the board and just doing all this calculus, and she would turn around, and all the students would just be sitting there like, what in the world are you saying, you know? And she said she felt like that was kind of what was happening with her last Sunday evening. So I was in the zone, but amen, we're trying to make it more plain, more plain, Okay. I know I'm already out of time, but I'm not out of what i got to say this morning, okay? So if y'all just hang with me. And look, if you want to get upset with anybody, take it up with Pam and Ginger and Bryce. They took my preaching time. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me get this much said. I've taken out of the center of this passage, and all I've done is I've just 
I've made two words in all caps, and I've taken the numbers out so you can see what's really being said here. God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, you see the words intent and now, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Who's the church? The church which is His body, that's us. I told you a few weeks ago, and I've been telling you ever since, it's always been about the body. Life as we know it on this planet, according to the Word of God, is bracketed, bookends, bracketed, bookended, I guess would be the right way to say it, by two events. The creation, the Garden of Eden, and then Adam and Eve in that garden. What began in the garden ends at a wedding feast in the book of Revelation. What began in the garden ended at a wedding feast. Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. He is the head. We are the body. Okay? So it's always been about establishing the bride of Christ or for our brothers in the room, the body of Christ. This is huge insight into the mystery. Huge insight into what God's up to. Huge insight into what's really going on down here and what this is all for and what it's all about, okay? God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Intent is a key word in this passage. Listen to me very carefully and I'll finish here. It means purpose or cause. This can be translated in order that or so that this passage is communicating God's intention for creation and ultimately for you and me. Intent, the word intent answers the questions. To what end? What is this all about? What is it all for? What did God have in mind when He did all of this? And what does He desire to accomplish through it? God who created all things through Jesus Christ to this end, for this cause, so that this might be, so that this would come to pass. That's what he's saying. To the intent that now, the word now means now. And if you read it tomorrow, it will still mean now. But there's also an underlying meaning. The context is finally. The context is at last. The context is after all this time, everything is in place. Now. Everything that happened from before the beginning to now has been pointing to and leading to this moment. To the intent that now. Couldn't say this in Abraham's day. Couldn't say this in Moses' day. Couldn't say this even in, King's Dave, in King David's day. But now, now, the mystery. Singers, musicians, if you would come, please.
Sometimes when I'm with my sisters at the foundry, we'll end the class and I'll look at them. I say, man, I wish we could just stay here another two hours. You know, we just so much to say and so much to cover. I promise you, I, could, I, I am not kidding you when I say this. I'm, uh, amen. I could, I could not stop until after the end of the service tonight. I'm going to just go all the way through. That's how much is here. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, you've got to get this. This will change your life. We've been blind. We, if, it's, if it's all about this mystery, if it's all about this plan, this, this elaborate, audacious, complex, multi-generational, over-the-top, a plan so grand that it sent a disturbance through the angelic forces, even the ones who didn't rebel still are perplexed and confused by the plan. Even though they remain loyal to God and loyal to me and you, it still makes no sense to them why God would decide to do such a thing. Why God would choose to put Himself out the way He has put Himself out to do what He's done in creating you and me and this great plan that He has. It was the undoing of Lucifer. It was the undoing of one-third of the angels. It was such an audacious plan. It was such an unimaginable scheme that stretched for thousands and thousands of years and yet God committed Himself to it. It was a plan so grand, a, a, a mystery so astounding that it involved one of the members of the Trinity becoming a a human being and being horrifically tortured and slaughtered by his creation. And the angels looked at him like he was a nut. God, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Lucifer left heaven because he believed he could entice you into loving yourself more than you'd love your Father Creator. He saw an opening when he heard this plan for the first time in all of eternity since his creation by God. He, he looked at God and he said, I found a chink in his armor because this is nuts what he's about to do. I think I'll take my chances against him now. I think I can get these people he's creating in his image and likeness, compatible with him, comparable to him. If they can choose to live however they want to live, I guarantee you, I can get them to choose me over him. I guarantee you, I can get them. They, some of them won't even know that they're following me, but I'll, I'll deceive them into following me. And Father God says, you go ahead. You try to manipulate them into loving themselves more than me. And I'm going to love them with everything I've got into loving me. And we'll see how this thing turns out in the end. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to me now. Here's the plan. Are you ready? God decided... At some point, eons in the past, that he wanted to expand his glory. And the only way to expand his glory would be to expand himself. And the only way to expand himself would be to create a new species of being that has never existed. 
that would be comparable to him and compatible with him and give us a choice, in or out, life or death, heaven or hell, selfishness, selfishness or service, pride or humility, love or hate, you decide. He created it all. He gave it all to you. He handed you the keys. He said, serve me if you want to. Serve me if you want to. Because the only way you can ever give to God what he wants the most, does not have and cannot create, is if you choose to love him freely from a willing heart. Amen. And if you do, he will make you one with himself. He will make you a part of himself, and he will make himself a part of you, completing this audacious plan to add more individuals to what had existed for all of eternity, known only as the Trinity. If this makes you nervous, you hear me and you hear me clearly. This great plan changed Jesus' title forever. Forever past, he was the only begotten Son of God. Now, he is no longer the only begotten, but he is referred to from this point and forevermore as the firstborn among many brethren. The Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. The only way God could expand his glory, he could not create objects to do it. He had to create beings in his image and likeness through which to express himself and make us one with him. It's the fellowship of the mystery. It's the fellowship of the mystery. Praise God. Praise God. Men, if you would come, those who are going to serve communion, Father, Father as these men come, I pray over every person in this room, Father, we've talked about sacred and holy things this morning. Things that you kept inside of yourself for perhaps millions of years. Things that you kept hidden inside of the Godhead. A secret that you, Father, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit alone knew. At some point, you told the angels at least part of it. And then you created us and you kept it a secret, Father. And yet, here we are today. The mystery revealed at last. Help us see it. Help us embrace it. Help us renew our minds to it. Help us, Father, to be amongst those rare few who make a relationship with you a priority in our lives above all other things. Help us be, Father, amongst those rare few who say no to the flesh and yes to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This morning they're going to begin to serve you communion. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to participate in communion this morning. You don't have to be a part of this church or a member of this church. If you're a member of the body of Christ, if you're born again, then you're a member of us. Amen. 
If you're served first, if you would, please hold the emblems until everyone has been served and then we'll all stand in a moment and partake together.